The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our city. Yo, 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 what's up, everyone? This is Dave. Welcome back to the Boston Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from all around greater Boston, lovers, muggers, and thieves, it is uh, the show where we hear from the voices of our city and we tell the stories of our city, prosper in your city, and maybe love your city a little bit more than you did before. Before we get started, I have an awesome guest. Her name is Vanda. Uh, that's a tease. And uh, we're going we're gonna to get really deep on some things, including uh, human evolution. Right, Vanda? <laughs> we're going to see what we can do to cure, cure all of society's ills and the way your brain is broken, people. Americans' brains are broken. All of a sudden, I feel like Alex Jones, one of those nutcases, is, is like, you know, um, we're being poisoned by the aliens. Uh, we might be being poisoned by the aliens. I'm not sure. But Van and I have a theory we want to share with you, which is going to be super cool. So that's a tease. Um, want to thank our sponsors right off the top, U.S. Postal Service, second largest employer in the United States, offering paid training and ways to move up. Apply today, usps.com slash careers, the U.S. Postal Service, deliver for the nation. I also want to thank our friends at Adori. That's A-D-O-R-I. So how do you listen to your podcast? You're probably listening on your phone. You're probably using um, a, an app developed by a multi-billion, multi-planet conglomerate corporation that rules all of us. And I've got a good alternative for you because the app, oh, I said it, Apple, sorry, Apple. But their podcast app is, is good, but it's kind of clunky. I, there's an alternative. It's called Adori, A-D-O-R-I. Go to the app store and we have a partnership with them, us here at Pod 617. If you listen and consume the podcast on the Adori app, you'll see moving images. So in other words, the joke I usually use is I could say peanut butter sandwich, and now you're looking at a, at a picture of a peanut butter sandwich. Didn't that enhance your, your experience? But more to the point, we can give out links. You can link through, and if we mention some kind of cool video that you need to watch, we'll provide a link to the video. So it's really cool, very easy to use. You can listen to all your podcasts on that app, Adori, A-D-O-R-I. And if you want to know more about what they're doing and reinventing podcasts, they're at adorylabs.com. So our guest uh, today, without further applause, is attorney, my good friend, who I've known for a long time, uh, attorney Vanda Kadam. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I hope I haven't scared you off already. Kind of have. (laughs) (laughs) Why? What did I say? Nothing. Please talk right into the microphone. Okay, I'm talking into the mic. She's not a shy person. Um, So I've known Vanda for a long time. We met, I think we probably met through the special needs world. Um, at the time, I believe I was a financial advisor helping families with special needs. And tell us about your connection to the special needs. That's well, there right. were so many it's good that you have. I don't know if time permits to mention them all, but let's try. Well, the biggest connection to the special needs world is my daughter. So I have a 24-year-old daughter uh, who has autism. And so my journey in the special needs world began when she was diagnosed because I never really had any familiarity with it before. Mm-hmm. So my journey into trying to help her educationally and medically and all the rest of it started when she was diagnosed at three. Mm-hmm. And um, my world rocked, as I'm sure yeah. you can understand, and all the parents out there who have that situation can understand as well. So that's my introduction. And since then, it, it crosses over onto your law. By the way, Vanda is an outstanding lawyer 
And uh, before I forget, if you want to get in touch with her, it's Kademlaw. Am I pronouncing your last name correctly? Yeah, Kademlaw.com, K-H-A-D-E-M-Law.com. And so she does family law, and then she does also, you do also a lot of stuff that crosses over into the world of special needs. That's right. Um, So she's an awesome person to to talk to. But um, before we go any further, we're going to lock Vanda in the Boston vault as we do. So these armed guards are here for your protection, Vanda. Please don't be alarmed. Um, Open the window. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, there are no windows. There's no lights. There were chains and stuff. If you ask me know. a sports question, there's no, no way I can answer it. No, no, no. Now, okay, so before I get to the tough questions, just to set the stage, you have been in our fair city since 1982, you Well, told actually, me. no. I oh. kind of lied. I was born in Boston. Right. And at the, at the tender age of one, moved to Evanston, Illinois. Wow. What hospital? Do you know what hospital you were born Boston, in? Boston, lying in hospital. That's where I was born. Okay, but That's I'm cool. older than you. I'm not so sure. I am. Really? Sure I am. Okay. Um, I was going to say, we could have passed each other. We could have been next to each other in the nursery. It's possible, <laughs> yeah, but I don't yeah. think it's true. And that became Brigham and Women's. Is I that right? So. Mm, is it? But yeah, I I had uh, my dad made up uh, phony. They look like tickets to a baseball game where was the announcement of my birth. And I, I think I still have it somewhere. It said Boston Lions Hospital, which most people, that you date yourself when you say Boston Well, you know, Lions. you're lucky because at least your father knew the day you were born. My parents can't still figure out whether I was born on June 4th or June 5th. Are you serious? I'm, not, I'm serious. So cool. Two birthdays. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So you... you um, um, still must answer the questions to escape the vault because you've been here since the 80s. So tell us, and spent most of the time in Brookline. Is that, that's uh, fair yeah. to say, right? Fair to say. Okay. Give us, um, I mean, I'm thinking re- Brookline is a good place for restaurants. So many restaurants have come and gone. Did you have a, did you have a favorite over the years that was absolutely the best? And is it still there? And can you get me a table? In Brookline? Well, or any surrounding areas, I don't know. That's a hard one. That was yeah, the softball to get you warmed one. up. Restaurant. I never go out to eat. Okay. It's because we eat Persian food all the time. Okay. So why would I go to a restaurant? All right. Do you, but you've bummed. Okay. Have you bummed around? What's the coolest thing about Coolidge Corner? Let me ask you that. The bookstore. Okay. Is it still there? It's still there. Cool. Brookline Bookstore. It's the last remaining and bookstore really in the United States. And I really feel like we have to support our local bookstores and stop buying books on Amazon. Go to the library or go to your bookstore because they're the heart of a community. Ask, at this point, asking people to stop buying books on Amazon is like saying, don't go outside and breathe any air, please. I know. I know, but it's okay. I'm you can trying. Do, we can do, we can do our small part. There, small, small part. Now, as you know, I spent many years in the newspaper industry over at Lawyers Weekly, and yep. I miss. I was just thinking the other day, you know, sometimes I'm blasé about it. Like, what are you going to do? Newspapers are dying. You know, people are still reading stuff. It's still... it. You miss something. Same thing with the book. You know, you hear the book on tape. Okay, if you're in a car, I get it. You want to let, you can't, obviously you can't read in the car. But there's something about holding a book. There is. In a newspaper, you yep, know? Yep, yep, And so, okay. I so, can't read books on, on an iPad. In fact, I don't even yeah, look at an either. iPad. It hurts my eyes. Or worse, you had a phone. I want to be able to hold the book, yeah. smell it, yeah. touch the pages. Mm-hmm. It's just nothing like a book. I agree. All right. When I write a book, um, you'll be the first one to get a copy. I think we dated ourselves. <laughs> when did we date? Back in the 80s. Oh, you kidding. That's not, what I, that's not what you meant at all. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> uh, so, um, 
bookstore, right? So my story about the Coolidge Corner bookstore is we used to use it as a secret weapon because we used to go to the... I lived on Washington Street, then I lived on uh, Beacon Street at one point. We used to go there to the uh, Coolidge Corner Clubhouse. Now that's gone, I think. It's a sports bar, pretty good sports bar. It doesn't ring a bell. On the same side of the street as the, the bookstore, across the street from the theater. Oh, there's right? Zaftigs. No, no. That deli? Yeah. No, this is Vanna, This is a sports bar. It was called. Trust I me, I didn't know. imagine you it. Asked, okay, fine. I said, don't ask me about sports. Oh, you could still go into a sports bar. They got good burgers. Okay, fine. Anyway, the point of the story is they had a uh, quiz question of the day. And if you got the quiz question right, you got mud pie for dessert for free. And it was really good mud pie. Okay. You know? And so this was in the days before the internet. And um, we sat down, and the woman said, You want the trivia question? And we said, Yes. And they gave it to us. I don't think we knew it. My buddy Waldo says, oh, I got a secret weapon. And the wait- waitress says, what's the secret weapon? He says, oh, nothing. I can't tell you. And so she disappears. And Waldo goes, I'm going to the bookstore. So he, go- he gets out. He goes, he walks next door to the bookstore. He finds a sports almanac. He looks up the cross. He comes back. He does the answer. And we got the, we got the mud pie. I know. It's, I know. And uh, these days, they can't even have that because people would look it up on their phone. Sad. Right. Sad. Uh, what else am I going to ask you about Boston? Um... Let's see. Um, well, what? Okay, so. You can ask me, what's your favorite city? What's your favorite state? I'm I asking, tell you, Massachusetts yeah. and Boston. Those are the. Wow. This, that's really good. I would never move out of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. I think it is the most civilized, most amazing state in the entire United States. Sounded like you said civilized for a minute there. It so is. Let's, it let's, is let's, civilized. So te- uh, tell, tell me this. We're are so the- progressive. We're so inclusive. We are so cutting edge. It just makes me so happy. So you've Because li- I feel it's like a really safe place for our kids, no matter how neurodiverse and how diverse they are. Wow. I'm really proud to be... In, the, in Massachusetts. Points for using... It's really insane. I'm, I really feel that way. Well, I'm giving you points for using the word neuro, neurodiverse because most people don't know what that means. Okay. Um, but, but do you want to tell them? Because companies... Tell me... Answer me this. And then I'll ask one more Boston question then we'll let China the vault. Companies say they're focusing on neurodiversity. Tell us uh, why. Well, this will be a good segue towards the program that you're working on, by the way, right? I suppose. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is that um, what I love about Massachusetts from its whole um, embracing of, of same-sex couples. And I remember, this has nothing to do with neurodiversity, but this has to do with diversity. I remember when the SJC passed that law and there was the first couple in, in Cambridge Probate and Family Court getting a marriage license. Mm-hmm. I was sitting in there with a bunch of other lawyers waiting for our cases to be heard, our divorce cases to be heard. Ironically. And this couple came up, and everyone stood up and cheered. And they were in tears. And yeah. I was like, I am so proud in this state. You know? Yeah. And, and then, then on- fast forward, decades later, I have a son who's gay. So it's like, thank God I live in this state. I have a daughter with autism. Thank God I live in this state. Now, we have a long way to go, no question. But at least as a, as a commonwealth, we aspire to have everyone have a place at the table. We may, we may fall short of it, but at least we aspire to do that. Did you know any of the judges involved in the Goodrich's decision? Not personally. So I knew all of them because I worked at Lawyers Weekly at times. Sure. So it was my job to know them. So I knew all of them at least enough to say hello. Uh, I remember prior to the decision coming out, going up to Justice 
Cordy and saying, I know you can't tell anything, anything about it, but is it cool to be part of history? And he said, I keep asking myself why I get to decide. So that was the right thing to say. Um, he voted the wrong way, in my opinion. <laughs> he, he was part of the minority. But, you know, you remember, four to three decision, yeah. right? And people don't remember this, but there were three, the three appointees that came from uh, <clears throat> Democratic governors, and then there were three that came from, and then there were four, actually, that came from Republican governors. And if everybody kind of voted along, quote unquote, party lines, which there shouldn't really be party lines for something like this. Exactly. This is a civil rights. There shouldn't. But if they did, it, it was it was that. And then it's also the whole thing about we don't we don't make the law. We interpret the law. And that's kind of a, a, what you, nowadays we call it a dog whistle for it, it just means I'm being conservative and, and I want to defer to politicians and whatever. Anyway, but um, the the swing vote was. Judy Cowan, this uh, very smart, diminutive judge who would come up through the Superior Court, you know, a big contributor to the Republican Party. And somehow she voted her heart instead of saying, I'm a Republican, I should be conservative when it comes to civil rights. Mm -mm. So she, she, whenever I see her, I tell her, uh, I saw her and her husband once. He was also a judge. I saw them together at some um, event and said, uh, I know I'm not supposed to talk this way, but I just want you to know you're one of my heroes for what you mm-hmm. did and just very brave what you did. And there was a pause and her husband goes, she kill, still can't keep the kitchen clean, if you can believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I share your pride. I, I was, you know, I was at Lawyers Weekly reporting on the gay marriage thing when it was, when it was going through. And I just went back and was reading some stuff because that's how narcissistic I am. I just go back and read stuff that I wrote before. But do you remember all the, the fight? The, once the decision came out, it felt almost like that was the beginning of the battle. Do you remember all the machinations that happened after that? There were there were a ton of. I mean, if you, you mean don't, in so, terms of the rest of the country, well, the rest of the country is, is all has their eyes on us. But yep. there were all kinds of efforts to try to overturn oh, the yeah. case in some fashion, and politicians like Ray Flynn screaming that we should put this to a vote. It should go to the people. I kept saying, no, this is this is a civil rights matter. The, our our court got it right. What this else? Is. Yeah. So. Um, Good on you. So, and you think, you think, let me ask you this, because so the, the, the tenor of discourse and everything and the way you, you think here in Massachusetts, we've kind of got it right in a progressive way. That extends, you think, to people with, with um, challenges and, and disabilities. And you think, has that changed over the years? Well, I think, as I said, what I love about our state is we aspire to, right? We aspire to have everyone have a seat at the table. We fall short, but we aspire. Right. So in terms of people with, with and you know, I don't even like to use the word disability at this point. Um, yeah, I, I said challenges like and I don't know It's such a loaded yeah. word. I don't mm-hmm. even know what to call it. But right. people who are neurodiverse, and what I mean is their brains think a different way. They, they, they look at the world in a different way. Their brains operate a different way. And, of course, none of our brains are identical. So it's very hard to have this conversation because I feel like the word disability is a loaded word. But for whatever, I mean, I, I don't know what other word to use. Right. But, you know, when I speak specifically about autism, um, I feel like when we have kids, our kids stretch us and they force us to stretch. And if we don't stretch, we're going to snap. Right. So... Watching my daughter Sarah's development as she grew up from, you know, babyhood to being a young woman, she really stretched my, my um, assumptions 
She really challenged everything in terms of my parenting and opened me up to looking at the world in a very, very different way instead of these preconceived ways that I was looking at the world. It also applied to my other kids who were younger than her in terms of how I saw them and their growth. Um, but I think one of the pieces that makes me so upset about autism is that I feel like people with autism don't have the kind of access that, that they need to have. And I view that as a real civil rights issue. So very similar in terms of educational opportunities, um, vocational opportunities, opportunities for learning and growth. And I feel that because we haven't necessarily identified the right modalities for teaching and access, that our kids on the spectrum don't have the same access. Very much like what people who are um, hearing impaired must have experienced before signing or people who are blind must have experienced before Braille. Mm-hmm. You know? Right, yeah. So, um, and that's you know, changing a little bit, right? You it's see, changing. You see um, areas in big public places like sports arenas and, right. and places like this where they'll have a, I don't know what they call it, like, oh, um, what do you call it? Like, some, uh, sensitivity, the word sensory. Sensory, right, right. sorry, sensor, sensory friendly or something right. like that. They'll have you know, a movie night for a kid's movie right. where it's kind of like uh, sensory friendly or right. I think I'm getting that term wrong again, but, but, you know, so that for kids who are scared by, or put off by loud noises and all the chaos, there are little touches to make them feel right. better. And right? that's great. But yeah. I, I'm sort of talking about um, what I'm getting at is really the heart of education. Yep. You know, one of the issues that I really have a problem with is the issue of MCAS and MCAS being tied to the ability to get to get a high school diploma, you know the majority of is that kids, happening now? I believe so. Maybe you're right. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I mean, if you don't pass MCAS, you're not going to get a high school diploma. Right. Right. And how many kids on the autism spectrum are able to pass MCAS? Yeah. No way. Right. Well, because so much the of the testing is based on language, and mm. for our kids to be able to access and understand language when they're mostly thinking in pictures. Yeah. Right. That's like an impossibility. They think, and that, yeah. right? And so then that stagnates their ability to continue to learn um, and go to college and like get a degree. Like they can't do that. Many of them can't. And I, I really have an issue with it, you know? Yeah, that's, that's I mean, I'm with you all the way, of course. That, that, that's what is fascinating about um, kids with autism that they have, they think differently than us, they're wired differently than us. They This whole thing in neurodiversity you know, you talk about it sort of as an umbrella concept. What I was sort of getting at is companies are, are looking to do that because a lot of tech companies, because if that 10th person on the team can actually think differently, right. if you can tap into that, now the trick is tapping into it. Like someone like my son, who is lovely and has a lot of these savantish talents, um, still needs a lot of help with communication. So he couldn't simply report to work at, you know, Apple or, or Microsoft and be part of a team. He couldn't. Right. But <clears throat> there's something there. And, um, and you're right. I mean, I think we have to continue to think of ways to, you know, unlock, unlock is the word people use it. It's apt, you know, to unlock what they, what they can show us. Right. And there's also the issue of advocacy, right? How many kids with autism? And so the way I like to describe it, of course, you know, you have high functioning and I hate that word because what does that mean? But usually you're talking about kids with like Asperger's, you can Mm -hmm. probably graduate and go on to college, but have all kinds of social issues. Right. Then you have the kids who are nonverbal and can't communicate verbally, but may be able to communicate in other modalities. If you've ever seen 
um, this, um, her name is Amanda Bags. Have you ever seen this? It sounds familiar. I urge every parent out there with a kid with autism to look up Amanda Bags is in my language. This is a book we're talking about? No, it's a, it's a YouTube video that she posted about herself and Mm -hmm. she's nonverbal and you see about 10 minutes of her doing all kinds of self-stimulatory behaviors, smelling things, moving her fingers, doing all kinds of stuff that would like drive you crazy when you're watching it right. as a parent. And then after about seven minutes of this, and you, and when I looked at this for the first time, this was like 11 years ago, I thought she definitely has cognitive disability. Mm-hmm. So here I am watching this thing, judging this woman thinking that she has no capability. Right. And after about six minutes of watching this video, she then explains. So she starts typing on the computer, there's voice output, and she explains why she's doing all this self-stimulatory behavior in such a profound, poetic, how amazing is, how way. how is she communicating? She basically says that she, she was... You see, well, there it is. Yeah, we've it's got right we're on looking, there. Right? So she talks about how yep. she's communicating with the water. She's communicating with everything in her environment. And she was one of the people who really um, inspired the whole neurodiversity movement. Um, MIT Media Lab started to, you know, uh, meet with her and try to understand her. She's so smart and she's so profound and clearly doesn't have any cognitive disability. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, how many other kids with autism are trapped because no one taught them how to type right. and have voice output and how to you know, learn to communicate in that way? And they're so capable and so able. And when I saw this, that's what inspired me to start the Autism Higher Education Foundation when I saw that this YouTube video that actually a number of my special needs clients had sent me sent, to take yep. a look at. If but, you're uh, yeah, if you're watching on the Adori podcast player, you're looking at the link to the video right now. If you're not, we'll put it in the show notes. She's we'll put amazing. the link to the show notes. This yeah, woman so, is amazing. Yeah, YouTube video and it's uh, in my language. Yeah. So and you so, know, and yeah. It, by the way, the the so there are subtitles up there yeah. that I take it are are have come from the devices she's using precisely. to communicate. Okay. Yeah. Precisely. Uh, and you know, in my mind, I was like, so many people on the autism spectrum, they don't have a concept of showing off or telling people what they can do. Right. right? No, they don't. So, you <laughs> know, don't. my daughter is like unbelievable in her organizational skills. But if she goes to a job interview, she's never going to say, I can do this, 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 and this. She's not going to advocate for herself. Right. You know, she doesn't have this concept of putting her best foot forward and showing off like all the rest of us do. It's, you know what, part of it is, I think, is there like a lot of us, their strength is their weakness. So, and I'll say it the reverse, their weakness is their strength or their weakness is, um, it's not that they don't notice things, but there is a lot of times this, this kind of lack of self-awareness and this kind of ignorance of what other people are thinking about you. And so for kids with Asperger's, they struggle with this because they, they, in communicating with people, they're not, they don't pick up on cues that the other person is giving them. So that's a problem with communication. But, but they it, may pick up, but just not give a damn. Well, that's well. See, that's the that's where the strength comes in. Right? And you and I were talking about this before we started recording. Like your my son, like your daughter, you know, don't get bothered by the stuff that most of us do. That you know, and and a lot of the stuff that's bothering us is is bringing this country down. Now I'm going really big picture. There you but, are. But and I love uh, it. yeah, so so will and um, 
this, things are going to get really weird after I do this uh, brief break here because Vanda and I are going to tell you why um, the spike in the cases of autism in recent years might actually be a good thing. That's right. So there's the teaser for you. But before we get there, I just do need to tell you briefly about the U.S. Postal Service, our sponsor, second largest employer in the United States, offering paid training and ways to move up. Apply today at usbs.com slash careers. From mail carriers to corporate management, the USPS works together to provide efficient, affordable service to the American public. The workers are the backbone of its service, and the USPS wants to develop an advanced career, so its development programs train and prepare employees for promotion and growth in a variety of business areas. Everything you need to know is at the website, usps.com careers, and it's the policy of the Postal Service to provide equal employment opportunity and prevent employment discrimination. It seeks to attract and retain a diverse workforce, and quite possibly a neurodiverse workforce, Vanda, I would hope, I think, in which employees respect and value each other's differences and work to promote collaboration, flexibility, and fairness so that all employees are able to participate and contribute to their full potential. Apply today. Website, once again, usps.com slash careers. The United, I almost made it through the whole live read without flubbing, but it's never happened. Job. Well, it's never happened. The US, <laughs> I consider it my Iron Man streak of screwing up at least once. U.S. Postal Service, deliver for the nation. So, um, yeah, you were telling me before we started recording that, <laughs> and you, I'm not even going to say you're going to tell our listening audience because you kept saying, "Call me crazy that this I have this theory." Call me crazy, but here it is. So, what is your crazy theory okay, about I autism? I have to give you context, though. Sure. Otherwise, your listeners are going to really think I'm nuts. Although they still may think I'm nuts. And you know what? I don't really care. They <laughs> think I'm nuts. Good. You got so, a little spectrum you know, in you after well, yeah, all. Yeah, I think maybe. <laughs> yeah. So, when my daughter Sarah was diagnosed. I remember I had just had my son. He was he was like three months old, and I was like devastated. I couldn't get out of bed. I thought the world had collapsed. Here's my daughter, who in my mind was gonna go to you know Wellesley College in the footsteps of her mom, who went to a seven sister school, and she was gonna do all these great things. And she was diagnosed, and I had gone to Barnes and Nobles and bought all these outdated books about how she's going to end up, you know, institutionalized and all the mm. rest of it. And I, I just couldn't get out of bed for two weeks. And then my wonderful husband said, what are you doing? She's the same Sarah. She always was. Yeah. She's the same Sarah. She was last week. Right. Right. And you get out it. of bed yep. and go help her. Mm-hmm. And that kick in the butt really shook my world. So um, so that sadness was replaced with like anger. What happened to her? How is that possible? How could yeah. she have developed until she was like too trilingual with all of this stuff and then suddenly plateaued? What happened? So of course I started, you know, digging in the recesses of, of my mind, looking at all the videos, and I came to this absolute conclusion that she had been vaccine damaged. Um, now, I still don't know the issue of vaccines. I, I really don't know whether it's contributive, whether there's an environmental impact. I have no idea. But in those it, days, it fast forward 20 years ago, I was convinced that something happened that derailed my daughter. Well, because the symptoms of autism present themselves slowly and cruelly to parents because the, the child appears to be developing normally up That's until right. a certain point. And I remember we had the loveliest, uh, cutest, smartest baby um, ironically, I don't know if ironically is the right word, but it might be ironically, we were so proud when he was a, he was the, like the first kid, you know, who was just, you know, six or eight months old, however old he was, 
who could pick up the letters, you know, with those plastic letters that go yep. on the fridge. And he, he picked every one of them up. He, he was, we, at the time we thought he's a genius, but yep. now we look back and go, no, he was perseverating. He was, he was doing this um, repetitive behavior, the common in kids with autism. But at the time we thought he was a genius. And then, and then they appear to slip away. They appear to, you know, drift away where they're not really looking at you anymore. So right. it's very, it's, Those are exactly what happened yeah. to her. And, um, so I just ended up becoming really enraged and becoming part of that fight to the state house to get thimerosal out of vaccines, which I still think is actually a good thing. There's a reason why we should have crap in our vaccines. And I was convinced that that happened. And um, it was an impossible fight because big pharma is all powerful. And it was consuming me with rage, mm -hmm. just consuming with me with rage. And I thought, you know, if I continue in this, I'm going to just self-destruct. I'm going to get really sick. Something's going to happen. I can't, I can't cons have my life consumed with this rage of what happened. I have to try to do what I can to help her educationally. So I kind of switched gears, saw this video from Amanda Bags, and started, and by that time, I had a very large special needs practice representing a lot of families of kids with autism, many of whom also believed their kids had been vaccinated injured and to this day i don't know the connection so i'm not going to say there's no connection or there is connection i don't even look at that anymore well but what i am looking at now is the commonality among so many people with autism where they are not greedy they're not jealous there's a purity in how they look at the world there's a purity in their interactions with people and i started to really feel like you know what given how our world is going to pot and how we are devastating our planet, maybe this is an evolutionary response to, to what we're doing to our planet. Maybe this the, is, right? Yeah, because the, um, the theory of evolution, um, everyone pull up a chair, I'm gonna give you the six hour version of it. No, of course, I remember learning about evolution as a kid and thinking, wow, that's pretty cool. It's like, they, there were, like why do, do giraffes have long uh, necks, right? So crazy long necks. Well, this is, it's, it's probably not this simplistic, but the, the giraffes lived among these tall trees. And one day a giraffe was born with a really tall, you know, um, neck. And that one was able to survive the best because he could reach the trees up there. And the other ones eventually died off because they couldn't reach the trees. So that's why giraffes. So in other words, there's something, either something wrong or something right with someone who comes out differently. So if, if there really is, and, and by the way, I try to read and, and listen to the, the smart people and not every article that comes out on the web or not President Trump who, who casually says, oh, I don't know, I heard of a kid who got a vaccine and now he's got autism. Uh, one kid, thank you, President Trump. But, but um, uh, there is, there, the experts still say there has been a spike. And, and, the, and, right. and the one reason is historical underdiagnosis. And there is another reason, and we don't know what that reason is. Right. And... Um, and just as a public service announcement, I, I mean, I, I, as far as I know, the, the vaccine thing has been completely debunked, that there was a fraudulent report out there that has been debunked. I, I'm like I'm like you. If, if, if there's truth to anything, you know, send me there. If there's a pill that's going to have my kid no longer be autistic, I think we'd try that, you know. But there, there, there is no magic bullet. So their brains, the, the, it's just a, a raft of people whose brains are different than ours who keep popping up. And so what you're saying is, and to put a button on it, 
you mentioned the the young lady who's yeah. leading the charge in uh, climate change. Let's yeah, I mean, I, I basically, I remember having this long conversation with my dad. Um, you know, grandparents can be particularly devastated when their grandchildren have, have um, you know, challenges. And I said, you know, Dad. Yeah, my dad cried a lot. Yeah, yeah. I said, you know, there's something, and now I'm going to so- sound a little bit out there, and I don't care again. There's something incredibly spiritual about our kids in terms of their oneness with nature, in terms of how they connect, um, in terms of, as I said, there's, they're not ego-driven in the sense of being materialistic and hoarding and wanting the latest fashion and wanting the latest this or that. They don't give a crap about any of it. Right. And so if we're going to keep consuming, we're going to consume our planet to death. And if we don't have a certain percentage of humanity that puts the brakes on this stuff, where are we going to head? And I remember telling this to my dad. I said, this may be, a, this may be basically a reaction to global warming, to the environment, to trying to save our planet. Right. So when I saw this um, speech that Greta Thunberg, that wonderful, amazing hero of the planet, made and then found out that she has Asperger's and mm-hmm. she views her Asperger's as like her secret weapon. It's like it's a great. superhero force. I said, uh-huh, I've just been proven correct. Mm-hmm. She's going to lead us and she's inspiring the youth of the world. And she doesn't care what anybody says. Nothing th- will stop her. That's, that's what, yeah. So it's the, the weakness becomes the strength. There yeah. I, I know a young man named Dylan Volk who has Asperger's and I had him on the podcast. He wrote a book called uh, Bad Decisions Make Good Stories, <laughs> My Life with Autism. And so he has had ups and downs, but um, he does a podcast now where he says, I have no filter. And I, and I say a lot of things that are, con- I listen to a couple of them. They're interesting thoughts and maybe thoughts that people wouldn't put out. But he doesn't care because you know he he, there's there's a boldness to him. So when you brought this whole thing up, I was it was like you were in my brain, Vanda, because it reminded me that I gave uh, a speech last year. Because Vanda, you're the guest, but the podcast is really about me. I thought about calling it the Dave Show, but it didn't have quite the ring of the Boston podcast. That's not bad. No, but if you just no, do do you mind? I will ask. You're my guest. Do you mind if I play a short clip of the speech that I gave? So this is right along the lines of was at an event last year. Looks like eh, about a year ago. No, a little more than a year ago. And um, this was what I had to say about the spike in cases of autism. And the question looms: Why? Well. Most experts agree that historical underdiagnosis is the big reason. We used to define autism very narrowly, um, and now we know that it's not. But there's another reason out there. And if you hear it's because of vaccines or food additives or mercury or any nonsense like that, please dismiss those. They're all baloney. But there might be another reason. The question I like to kick around in my head is, what if it's evolution? What if I can't you, believe you said Adrian's that. Brain has evolved <laughs> I told to a you, point you're in my brain. Might benefit us in the future. Now, sure, now he needs a lot of help, but maybe in the future, something going on in his brain could help us. I mean, think about it. How often these days are we consumed by our passions, our emotions, our opinions? Um, how often would you like to reboot your brain? How often would you like to hit Control Alt Delete on your brain and just kind of start over? Maybe that's what's going on here. You know, there's a, there's a concept called neurodiversity. We all know what diversity and diversity in the workplace is. Neurodiversity suggests that differences in, in uh, neurological differences in people should be respected and valued. 
and not thought of as a disorder. So someone with autism is actually thought of much differently by someone who believes in this neurodiversity. In fact, the, the neurodiversity absolutist would say, stop trying to find the cause for autism because we need people with autism. The CEO of, uh, former CEO of Walgreens, Randy Lewis, might have stumbled upon the concept of neurodiversity many years ago when he pledged to hire people in Walgreens, so much so that he could create 10% of the workplace consisting of people with disabilities and challenges. And what Lewis found was, not only was it celebrated among his workers, but productivity and efficiency actually went up at Walgreens. What was going on there? You know, well, we don't have to do the whole thing. You get a so, taste of it. Yeah. Can we actually talk about what you just said? Yeah, sure. Um, in terms of the workplace, yeah, right? That's right. Um, it's a good segue to your program that yeah. we haven't talked about yet. Yes. So, um, I started this foundation over ten years ago, um, and my daughter Sarah has been the guinea pig for really everything I've ever done in in terms of my community service. Thank you, Sarah. Right. Thank you. Sarah. <laughs> so like the first thing was she ended up learning to play the clarinet and she's not a savant. She just worked really hard to learn how to play. And when she learned how to play and it started from the recorder uh, in fourth grade and then turned into the clarinet and then she ended up joining the band um, in middle school. And that, that changed the face of her social interactions with her classmates because suddenly she was no longer viewed as disabled, but as abled. So when this issue of music really changed her her life and her experience in both in middle school and high school, at that time she was in middle school, um, and so many of my clients had said, look, my kid wants to learn piano and people don't know how to teach him or guitar or whatever, I thought we've got to do something about it. And that was right around the same time I saw that Amanda Baggs YouTube video. And so if it, only there was someone that were passionate about this that was, that was also a, an accomplished uh, concert pianist, which you are, aren't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> you play have piano. played you have played live, haven't you? No. I've played live, I compose. I mostly, you know, Okay. Do. Well, I'm impressed. Thank you. You're anyway, welcome. so I started the Autism Higher Education Foundation and the first thing that we did was develop a music program um, with the Boston Conservatory. And the idea was to really try to open up um, institutions of higher education so mm -hmm. our kids would have access. Because as I said, I think it's a civil rights issue that our kids don't have access to learning and education and all of that because of their autism. So the Boston Conservatory, it took about a year. We developed the program. We helped to train. It was within their, um, their music, their graduate school of music education. So their graduate teachers would learn how to teach our kids and then they would get their masters and go all over the country and have that training. It was really an amazing program. So after the second year, it became embedded. And now 10 years later, Berkeley, uh, Boston Conservatory has merged with Berkeley and it's expanded and so forth. So the next piece that we decided to focus on was vocational training. Because not, I mean, you see so many of our kids collecting carts in the grocery store. Like, yeah. how dangerous is that? Yeah, it's you not know? so good, yeah. So, and for some, maybe that's fine, but that shouldn't be the only vocational opportunity you have to be, you know, at the grocery store bagging or collecting carts. And I remember at that time, my daughter was at Brookline High School, and she was um, in her 11th, 11th or 12th grade, and she wasn't going to graduate because she didn't pass MCAS, and she was going to go into their transition program, and I was panic-stricken. 
because I didn't know what the hell she was going to do. So I remember getting really depressed and I actually went to the local farm to see maybe I can figure out a farming program at the, you know, what's the name of the farm near our house? I can't remember the name in Brookline. And I went with a parent and we tried to go meet with the guy and Mm -hmm. we realized that doesn't make any sense because they work on a tight budget. So I had an epiphany. I had all this filing that was sitting on in my office. It was like three inches of filing that needed to be done of my bills. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying, Sarah, come down. I want to show you how to do this. And, you know, my daughter would be recognized as having a cognitive disability. She's like borderline, even though I hate that terminology, but Mm -hmm. she is. Her IQ is borderline. So I showed her how to do this filing. Was it Allendale Farm, by the way? Allendale Farm, yeah, yeah, thanks. Okay. so I showed her how to do this filing of my billings. And after about a half an hour, she got it. Mm. She got it because she loves to organize. Wow. And she wouldn't stop filing that three inch <laughs> stuff. She wouldn't stop until she finished. Like she wouldn't even eat dinner. And I'm literally standing up screaming and yelling and videotaping her and saying, Sarah, you're amazing. You figured it out. And yeah. I thought, that's it. She can be a paralegal assistant. Mm -hmm. There's so much grunt work in law offices in terms of scanning and and doing all that kind of stuff and organizing and shredding. She can do it. It has a start and an end, and and no one else wants to do it. Yeah, and she becomes the secret weapon because, lest you think otherwise, they they not only do kids with autism uh, engage in repetitive behavior, they they enjoy it. They love it. Like, that's that's fun for them. She loved it. Yeah. So... I thought, you know what? So I called my board. I'm like, this is the second thing. We can do this. This is going to be amazing. And I reached out and I thought, what government entity needs help? Mm -hmm. The courts. Mm -hmm. Do you know how antiquated their systems are? I do. It's insane. So I reached out to- I remember when I worked for Lawyers Weekly, I wrote stories about how they were such a mess organizationally. There were at one point like scores of- computers that sat in boxes because they had purchased them, couldn't get their act together on how to deploy them. And they sat there for years until they were obsolete. I mean, talk about waste. Exactly. They, they never figure out, figured it out. Well, exactly. I don't know what it's like now. But well, I mean, yeah. a lot of the employees in the court are overworked. Sure. They don't have enough staff. They have so much paperwork. So I reached out to Chief Justice. She was the Chief Justice at the time, Angela Ordonez of the Probate and Family Court. Mm. And she met with me. And she knew that I did a lot of work in the autism field as a garden ad litem, and I have a lot of families and so forth. So I met with her, and I pitched the idea to her of having um, students vetted to make sure they don't have behaviors and so forth Mm -hmm. who come from their transition programs in their high schools, meaning when they turn 18 until their 22nd birthday, coming into court uh, with support from their school districts to actually learn these job skills right. and to learn how to dress for the court and behave properly and pass the metal detectors and do all of that and scan and shred and whatever, mm-hmm. that would both help the court and also provide valuable job training for them so that they could potentially be placed actually in a law firm or related business to do that same grunt work that nobody wants to do. She Without hesitation, she said yes. And right then and there, she called on her cell phone um, Pamela Casey O'Brien, who's the register in Essex Probate and Family Court, who said, Mm -hmm. I need help. We have all these files that have to be scanned because we're moving to a brand new courthouse. This is like six years ago. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And um, the program was born. So now we have such a, a win-win. It's just Both amazing. Yep. So we have a bunch of school districts, and so what we're looking for are law firms and related businesses in middle in all the counties, Middlesex, especially Middlesex, Suffolk, and Essex and Norfolk, to connect with our students who are in the courts and actually give them paid, you know, minimum wage, paid part-time um, internships for our students, and they would be accompanied by school district personnel. So, you know, the law firms and related businesses don't have to worry about, you know, supervision, and they'd be vetted for behavior. But um, I urge people to look at our website, Autism Higher Education Foundation, if you're interested, and contact me. But what's we need the, that. It's the, a community response. We need that help. What's the URL? Is, do you type in that whole it's thing? www.autismhighereducationfoundation.org. No. <laughs> www I'm sorry. Yeah, it's long. .org. .org. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Autism Higher Education Foundation .org. And so, yeah, I mean, I've known, Vanda, you and I have talked about this for, this is, this is, uh, you started this probably like three years ago? Four no, years ago? longer. It's like oh, even five longer. years ago now. Oh, the power. The paralegal thing is yeah, relatively the paralegal, new. Yeah, okay. the foundation is over 10 years old, but the paralegal oh. assistant training program, it's called PLAT program. Right. And it's um, up and running in a bunch of courts, but we need law firms yeah. to help us. No, it's fantastic. The I faded down my, my uh, recorded speech there, but what I was talking about was that it, at Walgreens, Randy Lewis, when he was the CEO, you know, made this pledge to employ a, a lot of people with challenges, and he found that, you know, that there would be these an great anecdotes, like there'd be um, a guy who like he was you know he was functioning enough that he could move crates and stuff but he needed help and he used to like do a dance when a purple like box came down the conveyor belt because purple was his favorite color and they would go in and say well do you like having bernie on this team We're like yeah we like bernie's he's, he's he's one of us he's fun you know and it doesn't bother you that he's kind of weird and he does the dance he goes nah what the hell you know so, and he said um well, one of the concerns we had is, you know, he's different. And so there might be people in the workforce who actually, you know, make fun of him or put him down or anything like that. And this woman stepped forward and said, you know, if anyone tries that with him, they're going to have to go through me. First. <laughs> and, so, and so it was kind of cool because, like, you could tell that it it increased uh, productivity, not necessarily because of this this person who functions a little differently being on the team and the work that that person is doing but the work all of the effect he had on everyone people took pride in it oh, right yeah. and you know and you know it's it's a good way of getting better at what you do is teaching others how to do it you know and so and it was a morale thing they loved them so yeah you said it you just said it perfectly and the feedback we've gotten from the courts you know in Essex and, and Norfolk and Suffolk and the district courts and the appeals court which expanded all over the place has been so positive. Mm -hmm. And when I've gone into the courts, I've had, there's been court staff who've come up and said they're so happy that this student is coming in. Not they great. get so much joy. And a lot of the court personnel have kids on the spectrum too, or they know somebody. Everybody knows somebody. Mm -hmm. So it's such a win-win. And again, we just have to break through these law firms to have them realize that it's a win-win for them too. Yeah, you know? absolutely. If they have scanning needs or shredding needs or filing needs. Um, it just we're talking minimum wage, you know, four hours, six hours a week, not too many hours because they'll lose their benefits um, to right. just, you know, help us with this. Right.
Well, that's fantastic. Again, it's autismhighereducationfoundation.org and, and check it out. And law, I know a lot of you people work at law firms, listen to my show. So, you know, do your good deed for the day and get someone at your firm who would be in charge of such a thing to get some info from Vanda. Like I said, it's a win-win. Can you imagine like how your office would be brightened by, you know, the presence of someone like this who needs a little bit of help, but is also going to like, you know, lift you up a little bit. I mean, that, I mean, you said your, your, your daughter has like a my words, not yours, but glow around her sorts. But my people tell my son, I was, I'll tell you real quick, we're up against the clock here, but um, this past weekend, some of my cousins were going to this music festival in Webster, Mass, which is kind of a schlep from where I live. And it was, I'd like to say it was heavy metal bands. It was heavy metal tribute bands. So it was like yeah. the band that, that it pretends like fake Bon Jovi and fake Poison and fake Quiet Riot, whatever. But you know, it's a an excuse for us cousins to get together. We have tailgate, we cook some burgers and we go listen to a little music. And at first I wasn't going to bring my son, but then I figured, you know, he likes music. He likes that. What the hell? So I bring him in and, and the, the concert festival is packed and it's kind of crazy and he did great. And at one point I was getting him a burger. I was like in line and this, this uh, woman came up to me. She pulled me aside. She said, is that your son? I said, yeah. She said, I just want you to know how wonderful he is and handsome and well-behaved and well-adjusted. And then her husband was right behind her going, he's the best, man. He is. He's the best. And I'm like, <laughs> where is this coming from? And so it, it, it's, all I could see is someone, he's always kind of got a smile on his face and a nice way about him. I, I suspect that these this couple maybe had a, a child with autism of their own and maybe sort of picked up some of the cues. But either way, I don't care. A couple, whoever you are, you brightened our day. So thank you. Um, so we got to go. But uh, by the way, if you want to reach Vanda, we didn't get, even get into her law practice. So I'll have to have you back, Vanda, sometime. But uh, it's kademlaw.com. I already said that. I'll repeat it. K-H-A-D-E-M law.com. Family lawyer. She does some guardian ad litem work. And she will help. I mean, if people have uh, legal questions around special needs, you're still a good place to start, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do I do represent uh, special education matters, although if it's a conflict with a school district that I'm working with, so I've sort of made, I've X'd myself out of a job in terms of working right. with these school districts, that's fine. Um, right. But yeah. So, did you have fun on the show, Vanda? I did. It was a great way you're for you. delightful. Well, back at you. you know, my and, daughter and just learned the word exquisite. Oh, really? So I like that word. So she would say, you're exquisite. <laughs> Uh, I think you're exquisite, Vanda, but it was but it was lovely to get back in touch with you. And so this will not be the last time. Uh, I mean, we can get together on when we're not doing a podcast, but I would like to have you back on the show. There's always more stuff to, to talk about around this. And uh, I think, you know, we did a little good. But um, check the show notes, by the way, again, for that the video that uh, Vanda pointed out with the young, the young lady who communicates by her very creative means. Uh, and I guess I could put up my speech as well. I don't know. But uh, check it out. Anyway, thank you for listening to the Boston Podcast. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend. Don't forget what we do here at pod617.com in our Westwood studios is we produce podcasts so you could be the next big podcast star. Go to the website, pod617.com, and you can find out how to get in touch with us. And you could be on the mic right here, right now. Probably not talking like that or no one will listen. Thanks again to our sponsor, the U.S. Postal Service, usps.com slash careers is where you go. And download that Adori app if you want to have more fun with your podcast. It's A-D-O-R-I. <gasps> I'm out of breath. Vanda, can you close the show? No. Anyways. Thank, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, spreading the good juju. I'll do my small part by doing it by way of this podcast. On behalf of Vanda, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a good day, everybody. You must be the other guy.